0: created the world and everything in it. And so, Lord God, if we have a question, if we have a concern, if we have a pain, if we have a decision that we need to make, Lord God, we know, we know that you have the answer. And God, I know that our one defense is the best defense. That the person that we look to, there is no going above your head. There is no one higher, no one greater than you. So Father, I pray this morning that our hearts would rise to you today, our questions, our concerns, our hopes, our dreams. We would bring them to you, Lord God. They would lay them before you. So, Father, we just—I we, pray that you would lead us, show us the way. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is great to be with you here at church this morning. Good to be in God's uh, God's presence with you. <sighs> Amen. This we've been talking about the promises of God. We've been talking about things and overall we've been talking about coming To God and and being excited about our faith, being excited enough to be able to say to someone else, You need to come and see what's going on here. That really evangelism, really spreading the gospel is about how excited you are about that truth. Because there are certain things that you're excited about that you tell people about all the time. Hey, I got a new car. Hey, I got a new this. Do you see what my kid did? See what happened here? There are things that we're excited enough to tell other people about. Some of you are even excited to tell perfect strangers these things. You should see this. You should see what's going on. And you become so excited that you can't help but tell somebody. Listen, that is is just the essence of evangelism. That is the essence of us sharing our faith, that we would get so excited about what's actually going on in our lives that we would share that with others. And one of the exciting things that I believe that as Christians that we need to share are the promises of God, the things that the world can't promise, but God does promise in His Word. And we've been talking about those promises. It's been pretty encouraging these last few weeks, hasn't it? It's been pretty encouraging to to hear what God has for us. And so we want to continue on that theme this morning about, hey, we can share this with the world and know it ourselves, and it can make us feel better. There's a... Have you ever been on Facebook or on the internet, and you see one of the ads on Facebook at the bottom, or you're on a website, and you see this ad that says, take this pill, and you will be as strong as this guy. Have you ever seen those? Right at the bottom, they're trying to sell these, like, muscular... Uh, these, these Like, you can grow muscles, and you see this guy who's got, like nothing but muscles. Like, I don't even know how you can even do that, but apparently it's possible that you can make your body into that, every part of your body looks like a muscle. And you see them down there, and they're like, you can look like this. And I think to myself, I don't know if I can. I don't think I believe in that pill. I don't think that pill is telling me the truth. That for some reason, we're enamored with this idea of strength and power. And the stronger you are, the better you are. You know, um, I find it interesting that even in, you know, even in movies when, when, uh, when superheroes become superheroes, you know like Spider-Man, when the radioactive spider hits Spider-Man, that all of a sudden he grows muscles? Like when's the last time you saw a muscular spider? They don't exist, okay? It's not like you see spiders with like big bulging biceps and they're just like, well, that's a wimpy spider, but that spider, he's been working out. <laughs> you don't see it, so but no, that's not what happens. When the radioactive spider hits Spider-Man, all of a sudden the next morning he's like, you know, Tobey Maguire's all ripped. He's, he's Mr. Strong because there's something about strong, there's something about strength that, that we get encouraged about and we think the stronger I am, the better I will be. I was, uh, <laughs> I was reminiscing a little bit when I was, uh, when I was on YouTube this week and I watched this old uh, this old skit from Saturday Night Live, Hans and Franz. Does anybody remember Hans and Franz? Right. I am Hans and I am Franz and we're here to pump you up. Anybody remember that? I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> But, you know, here they come out in these suits, and they've got these muscles in their suits, and and there's something about wanting to be strong and and wanting wanting to be powerful that they were playing off of. This morning, I want you to know that God promises strength. He promises that you can be strong, that you can be powerful. It may not be everybody in your every muscle in your body being ripped and toned but i'm telling you this morning that god promises strength i want you to turn in your bibles this morning to isaiah 40 verse 29 to 31 isaiah 40 verse 29 to 31 Here's what it says. It says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will sore on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's read it one more time. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall but those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I don't know about you but I don't like feeling weak. It's not a good feeling. Some of you know that feeling all too well, physically, emotionally. Have you ever felt weak? I don't like that feeling. I don't like the feeling of weakness. It's not appealing to me. If I could choose between strong and weak, I'm pretty sure 100%, I'd say strong, right? I never want to feel weak. I never want to feel like I, I can't do something or I'm incapable of doing something. I never, I don't like that feeling. And yet, I can't help but reference the countless moments in my life that I have felt weak. And this morning, I believe that there's a promise that God says in his word that says that we don't have to feel weak. That even when those feelings of weakness comes, that we need to remind ourselves of who God is in us, who Christ is in us, and be reminded that this weakness that we're feeling is not necessarily reality, nor is it necessary for you as a Christian. You see, there are those who might say that in order for Christians to feel good, in order for us to be in the right posture of humility, we should feel weak. But I disagree. I don't think the Bible says that anywhere. I don't think it says that anywhere that we're supposed to be weak. In fact, I believe that there's a few, there's, there's three, different, three, three different comparisons I want to share with you this morning about, about what weakness compared to strength. So the first thing is that a lot of times weakness can come in in, in the way of despair. That when things don't go our way, when, uh, when we start looking at our uh, our credit card statements and our lines of credit, when we start looking at our job opportunities, when we start looking at our relationships, that we can fall into moments of despair, fall into moments of weakness. And isn't that really what it feels like? Isn't it really what it feels like when we fall into adversity? is that we don't really feel like we can overcome that adversity? We don't really feel as though we can pull ourselves up and do what needs to be done? Paul says, Paul says simply, and this is, this is a, a, verse, a verse of, of scripture that uh, many of us quote, in these moments, Philippians 4:13 that says, "I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, who Christ who strengthens me, or him who strengthens me." We sang about it this morning that our "I can do all things." Paul, when he was talking about this verse, was actually talking about, about the things that he had about the resources that he had, that there were moments that Paul had so much and that there were moments that Paul had little. There are moments that the church could afford to support Paul in his ministry and there are other moments when Paul would have to go and work for himself. He said before that, he says, I know what it's like to be have a lot and have a little. But in every circumstance, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't believe this verse just applies to monetary wealth and resources. I believe that Paul takes, makes a statement here that he's trying to be emphatic and saying, I, in every circumstance, whether I am full of life or I am very weak in life, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When we have tried and failed and failed. When we are weary from failure, injured from falling, and this this verse in in, uh, in Isaiah says, "Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall." I find myself falling more as I get older, and it's not a very good feeling. And sometimes it can be dangerous uh, because my bones don't seem to be as strong, my 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 uh, uh, my balance doesn't seem to be as good. And some things think, I fell in the bathtub the other day and it hurt a lot. And uh, you can ask Michelle that that's not a good feeling. It hurts. But the Bible here says it's trying to encourage us as older folk. I'm gonna call myself older now. Uh, tries, it says, even youths grow tired and weary. I don't, you know, I'd like to feel myself as youth, but like, I'm not there. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble stumble and fall I watch my kids play sports and I watch them I watch them fall down especially my second son Isaiah he will he does not uh, take into consideration whether or not he's going to get hurt before he actually does something so I love him because he's he's awesome but he does not consider the consequences of his actions so I don't wrestle with Isaiah It's a bad idea because he uses his whole body as a weapon. And he doesn't consider that him completely, 100%, throwing himself at me is somehow going to hurt him. He is just totally focused on winning. He is focused on hurting me and winning the match. He does not consider him ramming his head into my chest that it's going to hurt him somehow. But that's what he does. And he plays basketball the same way. And what's funny is like when, I, when I'm raising my boys, when they fall down and get hurt, I mean, as long as all of their limbs are still attached, I try to encourage them to get back up right away and keep, keep moving, keep pressing on, keep pushing forward. I don't, wanna, I don't necessarily want to coddle them and say, oh, is everything okay? You know, when my son's playing basketball on his team, it's not like I want to run out into the court. Isaiah, are you okay? Are you alright? Do you need a hug? No, I don't. Now I'm I'm dad. I'm not mom. <laughs> mom might want to do that. But I'm I'm pushing Isaiah for when he gets hurt. I'm like, come on, buddy, keep it going, keep it going. There's been moments he's been on the court and he's and he's running down the court and he's crying at the same time because he's, he's so hurt and he's in so much pain. But he doesn't want to give up. There's something about how we deal with the moments that we are injured and we are in pain. And, it, and it's, it's the belief in those moments that are do we feel weak? Are we actually incapacitated? Or do we have what it takes to get back up and keep going? And what the verse, what, if, you, if you are in a bad mood, listen, if you are in a bad mood and you feel like the world is coming down on you and you feel like nothing is going right, you need to open your Bible and read Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is like the warm blanket of a cold winter's night. Okay? It is like the butter tart, on a diet. It is amazing. Okay? Psalm 91. If you feel horrible about your life, you need to read Psalm 91 because I am telling you, it is so encouraging. Here it comes. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from... Surely He will, sorry, save you From the Fowler snare, not Derek and Michelle. But the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. That's encouraging stuff. That in the moments of despair, when you feel as weak and as defeated and injured and bleeding from sorrow, there's always hope in the Lord. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. There's always something that God, that, that God can say to us and convince us, saying, I know you feel dark. I know you feel tired. I know you feel weary but I have hope for you, I am that hope, and I am going to bring your circumstances around, I am going to change what's going on in your heart. And listen, your circumstances may not change at all, but your attitude can change. And who knows this to be true, that sometimes when we change our attitude, that our circumstances begin to change as well? Right? Because our faith is in him, our hope is in him, and now all of a sudden we're taking our eyes off of our sorrow, putting our eyes upon him, and, then, and now we're filled with hope. Now there's some sort of, there's, there's something inside of us that says, you know what, I'm not defeated. This isn't going to hurt me. This isn't going to destroy me. And your circumstances begin to change. Because your perspective has changed. And you start thinking to yourself, wow, things, things aren't as bad as I thought. Because the truth is that the enemy wants to convince you that the darkness is going to win. And God will always bring us to that place where he reminds us that the darkness never wins. It's the difference between despair and hope. And it's all about your attitude. It's all about what you believe. Read Psalm 91. Read Psalm 91. Read the whole thing. I didn't even read the whole thing. There's still amazing stuff in there. We want to feel strong. We want to feel powerful. Strength comes in the moments of despair. That those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That your attitude change will cause you to want to engage again in life. Engage again in those relationships. It's about our attitude. The second thing is the difference between pride and trust. Young men, they stumble and they fall. Second Corinthians 12 verses 9 and 10 says, Paul again is speaking to the Corinthian church and, and uh, Paul is kind of defending himself at times when, he, when he's talking in his letters because there are people who don't think that, that Paul should even be an apostle. There are those in the church who don't even think that Paul should even be there. And the reality is, is that Paul, Paul was an extraordinary guy, extremely well-read. He was a Roman citizen, and, and part of the... Part of the he was, he was actually one of the Pharisees, and with, really knew God's word very, very well. Extremely well-read, extremely well-cultured. Paul was amazing. And if anybody could have a chip on their shoulder, it could be Paul. Because he was charismatic enough to change people's minds. He was well-read enough to outsmart people. He was cultured enough and relevant enough to relate to all sorts of different cultures. Listen, Paul had it all. And yet, even in the midst of that, Paul says, about God, speaking to him, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul tells the Corinthian church that he's not perfect. And even though Paul has done great things, he gives glory to God. Pride, listen church, pride is not strength. Pride is not strength. Self-confidence is not strength. You can believe that you are right and be absolutely wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can believe that you're absolutely right and be absolutely wrong. I mean, just, you know, just talk to a teenager. <laughs> All the self-confidence in the world I know what's going on. And I'm not saying all teenagers are proud, but we've all been there, right? You've been there too. You've been there too. When you were young, you thought your parents were crazy. You thought your parents were just like, yeah, whatever. I know what I'm doing. What do you know? I totally thought that. I've totally thought that when I was younger. But we need to realize that pride is not strength. That actually pride comes, the Bible says that pride comes before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. It says, be careful when you're proud because that's when you're going to stumble. That's when you're going to fall. That's when you're going to make a mistake. Because you have convinced yourself that self-confidence and self-awareness and relying on yourself is the answer to being strong. Because that is honestly what the world has convinced us of. Listen, the world wants you to think that you're indestructible. Because it knows that you're going to fail someday, and then you can buy something from them to make it better. They don't want you to rely on someone else. They don't want you to rely on God. They don't want you to put your hope in them because they want you to feel they want you to feel powerful. They want to sell you pills that can make you stronger. They want to sell you books that can make you better. But pride is not strength. It's a facade. It's, it's an illusion. There's this show on television that, that I used to watch and I don't watch anymore for some whatever reason. It's called Survivor. Ever seen Survivor? You don't have to admit it. I know that you do. It's okay, this isn't a confession time. It's fine. Don't worry about it, okay? I'm not going to hold you to your answers. But Survivor is basically a, a survival of the fittest type of thing where you, there's 16 people who land on an island and, and every, every day, every week, they vote somebody off the island. And the way that you win is that you survive until the end. And there's something, a part of the game is that there are these there are these kind of get-out-of-jail-free cards where somebody can't vote you off. It's called a, an immunity idol. And I know that's a, an idol. I know we shouldn't worship idols, but this is what they do. They worship idols on Survivor, which is why I stopped watching it. <laughs> that's not why. <laughs> but you would have people, and what happens at the end of the show is that at the end of the show, they vote somebody off, so everyone gets around, and they all have a conversation. And at the end, everybody votes who's going to be voted off. But if you have an immunity idol and you play it, they can't vote you off. It's amazing when I watch the show. Amazing that when people have a get-out-of-jail-free card, that they don't play it. And then they get voted off. They'll actually get voted off with having an immunity idol, but they didn't play it. They didn't use it. You know why? Because they thought they were safe. They thought that they were one of the smartest people in the game and that they were going to be so smart that I don't have to play this get-out-of-jail-free card. No one's going to vote me out. And then, at the end, all of a sudden, everybody writes down their name and they're going home with an immunity idol in their pocket. Worthless. Worthless. Worthless and the whole reason is because they felt like they had everything put together. They had assumed that they had everything taken care of, everything under control. Church, we can we got to stop ourselves from thinking to ourselves, "Well, I got this. I can handle it." Church is good, the Bible is good, but listen, I got, you know, I got I got money in the account. I got a good job. Things are pretty secure. I got this we got to be careful that we, we get to this place because we think to ourselves that everything's going to be fine. Nothing's going to change. How many know that those circumstances can change just like that? How many know that, that job security can change just like that? That bank accounts can be drained just like that? <laughs> because of Life. Church, we're never going to feel secure. We're never really going to feel strong. We might think we're strong. We may think that we've got it all together. But if we convince ourselves of that, I'm telling you there is a fall coming. There's a moment when those things aren't going to help you. Those things aren't going to mend your marriage. Those things aren't going to mend your relationship. And that the only strength that we have, the only hope that we have, is if we actually trust in someone else. To show us the way, if we actually trust in Jesus Christ and what the word says, what the Bible says, how we should govern our lives, how we should treat each other, how we should live our lives as marriage in marriage and as families, as we have to look to these things to find that truth. It's that trust in that way of life that brings us strength. It's that trust in that way of life. That brings us hope. Because sooner or later, we're all gonna fail, we're all gonna stumble. Even if we think that we never will. Right? It's the difference between pride and trust. You can't have both. You can't have both. If you think that you can do it all, why would you trust somebody else to do it for you? The last thing is fear versus courage. There's this idea that when we're weak, I don't know about you, but when I when I feel weak, I get afraid. I get scared. I start saying what if. You ever have those questions? The what if questions? What if this happens and what if that happens and what if we can't afford it? What if, what if I never see them ever again and what if they don't come and talk to me? What if I, what if I talk to them about this and they don't like me anymore and, and they won't talk to me anymore and what if, what if, they, what if they leave me? What if they don't want to be married to me anymore? What if they'll never trust me again? What if? I don't know about you, but when I feel weak, I feel afraid. I feel afraid. I'm scared. I'm scared of the future. I'm scared of tomorrow. Cuz I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and I think about tomorrow and I and I lie awake and I think about tomorrow and I think to myself things could go horribly wrong. God God doesn't want us to he doesn't want us to feel that. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to be scared about tomorrow. He wants us to have confidence. He wants us to have courage in him. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is is a stronghold or the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'd love to never be afraid ever again. Wouldn't that be awesome? What if I wasn't afraid? You ever think that question? What if I wasn't afraid? what would I do then? I'm big into superheroes. You already know that. (laughs) But There's something about Superman when he steps in front of a train, not worried, right? You know, the superhero is not afraid of like the bullets because they know that they're impervious to bullets. They're just like, go ahead, shoot. Or they step in front of a train and they think to themselves, it's not going to hurt me. They've got this look on their face, like yeah, whatever. Trains. I'd love to have that feeling. Not that I want to wreck any trains, like not against trains. But I, you know, that feeling—that feeling of courage, that feeling of believing and knowing. That whatever comes my way, I can handle it. That whatever comes my way, I can deal with it because I have Christ, because Christ lives within me. Fear comes the, from the idea that we cannot win. Or we can't overcome the situation. That we look out and we 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 begin to think about the steps ahead and we think there's no way that I can deal with this. There's no way that I can overcome this. How am I gonna win? And fear sets in. 2 Timothy says that the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power and love and self discipline. Paul says this to Timothy, even in regards to actually sharing the good news, to not be afraid of sharing the good news, not be afraid of sharing the message of the gospel, that we shouldn't be afraid, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, that that spirit is not from God. That spirit is not from God. If this is what the Bible says, and we're feeling fearful all the time, then something's wrong, right? If we're scared all the time, then something's wrong. And one of the promises of the Bible is that you don't have to be afraid all the time. That you don't have to be scared of life. Because fear can cause us to do some pretty destructive things. Fear can cause you to hold on to something so tightly that you lose it. Because you start to try and control the thing around you. You start thinking to yourself, well, I can't lose my job. And so the only way to keep my job is to make my coworker look like an idiot. So that if someone's going to lose their job, it's not going to be me, it's going to be them. Well, I'm so afraid that that my child is going to make the wrong decisions that that I'm never going to let them leave the house and be exposed to that. And then the child becomes so frustrated that there's no trust that they decide to leave anyway and do it their own way. Fear causes us to do things that try and get us to take control of situations and think to ourselves, if I can just control this, then maybe it won't happen if I can just make sure that nothing bad happens, if I can somehow control my own situation, then this, at least this one thing will stay the same. But it doesn't. I'm not saying you shouldn't shield your children from horrible things. I'm saying you shouldn't be afraid that the, that the world is going to swallow them up. Because when we operate in fear, fear only leads to destruction. Fear only leads to the opposite of what you actually want. And so we have to have courage. We have to trust in our creator. We have to trust in Christ. We have to trust that I love my kids. I need my job. I need this situation in order to live. We have to understand that God loves us more than we love ourselves. He loves our family more than we love our family. He wants them to eat food more than you do. He wants them to succeed in life more than you do. More than I do. So why, why, why should I be afraid? If I know that my God loves me more than I do. We have the Spirit of God inside of us to enable us, to remind us of these moments, these moments in life when we get afraid, when we we get scared, to remind us that this, this fear is not from God. This fear is this isn't from Jesus. This isn't from God. He wants us to feel strong. But the only way for us to truly feel strong is when we're relying on him. When we're relying on Christ. And listen, the world is going to try and convince you that that's ridiculous. The world for years has said that Christianity is a crutch. A crutch for, for weak people. Right? Right? okay, well, this is, this is just something to help people who, who, who don't make good decisions, or this is somehow just to help people who, are, who, who don't know what they're doing, and, and you know, the, the lesser of people. But the truth is, it is the answer. It is, it is the one thing that changes your, the very existence of your life. it is this thing that takes us from the natural to the supernatural. From the natural to the supernatural. Church, when I'm going through life, if I'm dealing with despair, if I'm dealing with pride, if I'm dealing with fear, if I'm dealing with circumstances in my life and I want to fix them, church, I want a supernatural answer to that. I don't want a Band-Aid for the huge gash. (laughs) I want something that's going to fix the problem. I want something that's going to actually be the answer for my life. I don't need another natural answer. I've got the Internet, okay? I've got Google. I can look. I can find natural answers. I can find what the rest of the world is saying. If I want wisdom from across the world in another country, I can go and get that. There's never been a day and age before in the existence of humanity where information has been so readily available to us. Never, ever. And tomorrow, it'll be more. And the next day, it'll be more. But the reality is, if we want to answer a question, if we have a question that needs to be answered in the natural realm, all you've got to do is ask your phone. Where do I find the closest Tim Hortons? Where do I find this? How do I make more money? How do I fix my marriage? Just ask your phone, ask the internet. You're going to get a natural answer. And you know what? You'll get answers. You'll get answers. But you'll get natural ones. You'll get the world's answer. And it won't all be the same. Listen, it won't all be the same. How do I lose weight? How many different ways do you think you're gonna hear? Right? How do I fix my marriage? Go ahead, type it into Google and see what you get. See how many hits you get. See how many different opinions that you get how to fix your marriage. How do I make more money from home? Millions of hits. Well, this is how you do it. All you got to do is do this. All you got to do is do that. Oh. And then all of a sudden, the confusion brings more failure, brings more fear. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of natural answers. I'm tired of natural answers. I'm tired of what the world has to offer because it doesn't work and I only feel weak after I'm done. You see, I'm not empowered by the 100,000 answers of how to lose weight or how to fix my marriage or get a new job or work from home. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel empowering. You know why? Because I feel like I can't do that. I can't do all of that. And it's not an achievable goal. It's not something you will ever achieve. And even if, even if you do. Let's say you fix your marriage. Let's say you make a whole bunch more money. It's not going to lead to strength. It's only going to lead to more weakness. Church, if you have an injury and you don't do the right thing, you could be injured for life. If you break your leg and you don't set it properly, you could limp forever. We don't have to be afraid. The Bible says we can be strong. The Bible says in Acts eight. Jesus told them to wait around. He says, because you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be clothed from on high. You'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The strength and the power to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And that is the promise that you and I have when we accepted Jesus into our hearts that the Holy Spirit came into our life and now inside of us we have the power and the strength to overcome all that comes against us because Christ is in us. The strength and the power comes from Jesus. It comes from Christ. And the moment we start thinking that it comes from ourselves and our own actions is the moment we start to feel weak again. And I am tired of feeling weak. I don't want to feel like I'm a failure anymore. I don't want to feel, feel like, oh, I do have the answer, and then find out that I don't. That I was, in, wait a minute, I was wrong about that. What I love about God's word is that it never changes. is that the principles and the truths of God's word have not changed. Have not changed. For thousands of years, have not changed. So I can access those, those truths, those strengths, those moments when I don't know what to do. He promises power. He promises strength. It's not my strength. It's his. But I'm strong because I'm relying on him. And the more I rely on him, the stronger I am. It's not self-confidence. It's knowing Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. I'm not the strongest person, but I serve the one who is. serve the one who is and that's what makes me strong see I think that's good news you see I think that's good news I think we're dealing with a generation of people who are desperately looking for answers who are trying to find their way through life and and are looking for hope that they feel weak they fear powerless They've made assumptions that they know what's going on. They've made assumptions that there's a lot of prideful people out there who think to themselves they, they do have it all together. But I'm telling you, on the inside, they're scared to death. That they'll someday lose what they have. I think this is good news. I think that you know this is something that we can tell people about and say, look, You know what? I I may not have the best job. I may not have any job. (laughs) But I don't feel weak. I'm good. What? Yeah, it'll be okay. Huh? What do you mean? Well, you don't have a job. Well, okay. (laughs) Job's not everything. Oh, well, I don't... Uh, you know, right now I just, my relationship's not going the very, very best and relationship with my wife's not going well or my relationships at my job is not going well, but God's going to make them better. He's going to help me make them better. And just the belief, just the reality of knowing that you have Christ to help you, to strengthen you, gives you the confidence to make the right decisions in the right moments. Because it's when things things are darkest that it's hardest to make the right decision. And it's in those moments that you read Psalm 91. He is my fortress. He is my strength. He is my deliverer. And if I trust in his ways, if I trust in his word, I will be strong. I am strong through Christ who gives me that strength. Would you pray with me this morning? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. In a moment, we're gonna sing Nothing is Impossible again, but I just want you to close your eyes for a second. This morning, I want you to know that I'm not trying to sell you something that's gonna benefit something for me that really, I want you to see the truth of God's word. Because he doesn't want you to feel weak. He doesn't want you to feel surrounded by despair and hopelessness. That he promises strength. And that's available to you today. That's available to you today. With nobody looking around, I think feel as though God wants me to ask if there's anyone this morning, maybe... You want to you give your, your heart to Jesus. Maybe you, you've, you haven't heard this message or you haven't heard it for a long time and God's just speaking to you saying, this is what you need to do now. This is, you need to stop relying on yourself and you need to rely on me. You need to trust in me because I'm going to take care of you. That the time for feeling weakness is over. I want to give you hope you're at the point in your life right now when you think to yourself, okay, I'm, I'm done feeling this way. I've done it. I've tried to do it my way, but I, I need to trust in this God. I need to tr- trust in Jesus Christ. I need to trust that He, he knows the right thing for my life, and I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to trust in Him with everything I got. Maybe that's you this morning with nobody looking around. you'd like to make that decision today. The decision is not to join this church. The decision is not to give this church money. The decision is to follow Christ and trust in him. I wanna help you make that decision this morning and I wanna pray with you in a couple of of seconds. But if that's you this morning, and you want to make that decision today, I want to help you. If you could, with nobody looking around, just 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 raise your hand up and down so I can see it, and then uh, and then we'll pray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I appreciate your honesty today. So with everybody everybody praying this morning, I'm wondering if, wondering if you could repeat after me this prayer. And it's, <clears throat> it's a prayer that is just surrender to God. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths that we believe that Jesus is Lord and we actually believe in our hearts that that's true, then we'll be saved. This prayer doesn't save you. Your trust in Jesus does. This prayer helps you take the first step in order to trust in Jesus. Would you repeat after me, dear Jesus? Dear Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm tired of doing things my way. I want to do things your way. I want to do things your way. I'm tired of feeling weak. I want to feel strong. I want to feel strong. I give you my life. I give you my life. Show me the way. Show me the way. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. 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 Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Last. Last week we sang God's great dance floor and this is that moment when people have given their lives over to Jesus and they trusted in God. And listen, this morning, look, I could, I could ask you to come up to the altar and bawl your eyes out. But I want you to feel strong. Not weak. It doesn't mean there aren't moments that we need to ball our eyes out. It mean, doesn't mean you can never cry again. But what I want you to walk away with this morning is feeling strong in him. A feeling that nothing is impossible. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That yes, in every circumstance in your life, through Christ, he can help you succeed. I honestly believe it with my whole heart. Would you stand? We're gonna sing that song. with what voice I have left? It's
1: okay, I can do it. Through you sure since you who gives me strength nothing is impossible
0: In strength, we would walk in hope that God, that we would feel strong all day long, all week long, out month long, all year long, all life long, Lord Jesus, because we have you. Go with us today, in Jesus' name we pray.